uh, can you legally rent this? Because I, I, I think see any. I think I actually, actually went to do it just because out of laziness, and I'm like, uh, not on Amazon, not on iTunes. What's uh, what's going on here? I uh, I may anger you here. I didn't actually watch that when I watched from dust to dawn. Let me close I these got... tabs here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Is everybody okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Does anybody know what's going on here? I know what's going on. We got a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. And that's it, plain and simple. And I don't want to hear anything about I don't believe in vampires. Because I don't fucking believe in vampires. But I believe in my own two eyes. And what I saw is fucking vampires. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? Yes. You too, preacher? I don't believe in vampires, but I believe in what I saw. Good for you. From Dust Till Dawn answers the question about George Clooney, but raises a couple about Quentin Tarantino, made in 2018. <laughs> well, I mean, as my mother told me when I was um, just a young child, when uh, I asked what was going on with Woody Allen, like, why is he marrying his daughter? Um, which is <laughs> not technically true, but it's close enough to be... You know, questionable. Uh, she just said he's a little creep. That was it. That's how she answered it. <laughs> she's a little creep. I mean, creep. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much a, a Cliff Notes version that you need there. I mean, before, before you get into the, like, well, technically, you know, they're not uh, blood. He wasn't the adoptive father. He was just around her when she was, blah, blah, blah. He's a little creep. I mean, just think, you just think, stop yourself and say, hey, is this creepy? Yes. It is. is the woman wrong? She's no, not. No. <laughs> um, I don't think it stopped her from watching Woody Allen movies. Although I don't even know. I don't know if she ever did. But um, I wish Twitter was more like that. <laughs> ah, he's a little creep. Anyway, I'm going about my day. <laughs> hey, if we can still watch Roman Polanski movies, we can be able to watch uh, Woody he's, Allen. And he's the one that you know. You bring the hammer down, and you. That's when you see that people get nervous because there's. Uh, so many criterions in Chinatown, and you know, it's like, wow, well, we can't. I don't want to. I don't want you to take that away from me. I don't want to not watch those. But you know, Woody Allen uh, doing a, a musical with Edward Norton. They're like, ah, you can have it, fucking creep. Line in the sand, right there. It's more about the line in which movies you like or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, from yeah. dusk till dawn. So uh, Hyrule will not be joining us. Um, for practical reasons, Drunk which is I just ditch. did not did not tell him <laughs> <laughs> to show up. Uh, for artistic reasons, if you want to uh, to go that direction, which we're nothing if not artistic here on Sober Cinema. Hyro uh, and myself actually did an episode last summer on Marcus Plate on From Dust Till Dawn, and the uh, I think the theme was um, you know movies that take a, a fairly dramatic uh, one eighty uh, that become mm-hmm. something entirely different, which. I just pulled up uh, Ebert's review uh, from Dust of Dawn, which he was favorable, even though he said that, like most people, he hated half of it. Uh, he basically says that uh, <laughs> it's a movie that's going to be a solid double because uh, they're so dramatically opposed, the first half and the second half, uh, one being a crime thriller and the other a monster movie, uh, that uh, everybody's got to like something about this. And that also <laughs> means everybody's got to hate uh, another part of it. And I guess he... Uh, he fell into the, that camp like my mother, who loved um, 
the uh, I guess taller creep, uh, Tarantino's uh, crime <laughs> stuff at the beginning, and not so much Robert Rodriguez and his uh, vampire <clears throat> shenanigans in the second half. You and I watched this as teenagers, though, and I'm pretty sure we liked oh. all of it. Uh, well, <laughs> one part in particular more than most. <laughs> there are a few parts that I hold more <laughs> revered than others. I'm talking about the man with the uh, the gun for a, a dick, of course. That's the the part that, oh, uh, of course, sex yes. machine. That's why. I, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I rented the movie. Let me tell you, I don't with what that guy has in the genital region. Calling himself sex machine, I want no part of it. I'm I'm going back to our episode on seven where it's like, dude, <laughs> I don't know what you're into. Uh, what sort of pyrotechnics are going on down there? But uh, we are starting something different on sober cinema. This is practical and artistic, Jared, and also incredibly lazy. I got tired myself of just looking up movie <laughs> anniversaries, and so I said, "Fuck it." Uh, 1996 was the height of cinema. It's a nice, solid number, 25-year anniversary every week. And when I looked at the list, there's uh, there's enough material for this show, which I don't know. That's that's coded language of saying, hey, there's a lot of stuff that's not that great, but it goes mm-hmm. down easy. <laughs> there's not a lot of thinking involved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so much so that I didn't even know we were going to record on From Dust Till Dawn today. You just sort of dropped it on me. You're like, hey, I watched this movie, not the other one. <laughs> It's just uh, I, I like to see your performance whenever the heat's mm. on. You uh, weren't prepared for it. I want to see how much of a professional you are. I've really fallen into that Letterman camp where it's just like, ah, fuck it. It's all shit Whatever. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible for prepared or not. Doesn't matter. So how much Selma hike do you want to talk about here? Do you want to get that out of the way? or? It depends. I mean, I don't know if the podcast will go up or down from the point of me perving out about Selma Hayek. I think it'll go up. <laughs> A little bit, anyway. Uh, I, it really uh, can't be understated that you have so much flesh and so much nudity whenever you walk into this bar, and then you're still blown mm. out of your mind when Selma mm. Hayek comes out on screen. She's not nude, but by God, her body is. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's the uh, movie star stripper syndrome where mm. you, you never actually see them naked. I, although we have a film, um, I made sure this one came out in 1996, coming up a month from now because we're gonna, we're going to do this week by week. So mm-hmm. uh, this is this episode, God willing, if I you know edit it, uh, I should you know why do I even edit these things? Why do I put the like the boner sound effects and things in there? <laughs> I feel like our audience knows, like they can already hear them in their head. They're sort of trained. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, sort of that Pavlovian response they have whenever you bring up Salma Hayek. We're like, well, we know where this is going for the next 10 minutes. Uh, but this actually will, today we're recording this on uh, the 17th. So uh, we could actually get these out on the anniversary days, if I'm so inclined. It won't happen. But so this see you in April. <laughs> yeah. This came out January 19th, uh, and when I propositioned you with this idea of like, hey, Jared, look at this list, 1996, we'll pick one a week, we'll treat it like we're going to the movies 25 years ago, um, you said, okay, so we're starting with Biodome, and I said, no, next, and uh, <laughs> so yes. <laughs> trying to play along, I tried to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> nope, Jared, we already missed that week, we, we took that week oh, off. damn, sorry. <laughs> so we're not doing Biodome from dusk till dawn. What I was getting at, though, is come June, July, somewhere in the summertime of 1996, Demi Moore went against the 
uh, Hollywood star code. And uh, she got naked when she played a stripper. It was amazing. Inspiring. <laughs> uh, although, you know, Natalie Portman's The World learned nothing uh, about that. You know, I'm going to go talk about another movie really quick. If that's okay. I'll so, stop you. So have you seen Up in the Air with George Clooney? This has also just I'm, become the Clooney I'm, cast. I've hid from this for a while, but I've not watched this. I know that I would get lambasted. I really like this movie. <laughs> well, you know, it's, actually... it was a, uh, I think it was a Best Picture nominee in 2009. Uh, but when I looked on Letterboxd recently, it's not very cool to like this movie, apparently. Like, so it's, it, but it's one of those easygoing, kind of old-fashioned, just movie star. You know, Clooney uh, gets to be cool. He gets to be the rich guy who has sex a lot and flies around and he gets a smart really off. White. It's his whole personality. You know, I'm not saying he's Michael Sarah or something, but I've, we've watched enough George Clooney lately to be like, you can kind of, I hate to pigeonhole people, but he really needs to just play like a, a smart ass thief or rich man, or he's too good looking to play. We did an episode that I don't think we're going to release because I refuse to edit it on uh, the Midnight <laughs> Sky, the Netflix thing. And boy, that is the that is like him going against the grain, and it is terrible. Uh, Clooney, sad bastard. Not for me. It doesn't work. No. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, on Up in the Air, uh, Vera uh, Farmiga from uh, The Departed, and other things, but I think primarily The Departed was her like breakout role. Uh, I like her, and every time she's on screen, I tell my wife I like her, and she's like, "Yes, I know." <laughs> I don't know. It's like this uh, attempted bit of honesty for me, which I think she wishes I just would keep some things to myself because it's also like the show <laughs> sans sound effects. When I say I oh. like her, she knows the thoughts that are then running through my head, which is not like uh, um, she knows it's going to be a long night for her. <laughs> oh, you're in for it. Yeah, oh, baby. <laughs> I'm glad we're married. <laughs> Give you a good few minutes here, and then I'll go back to watching my movie here. Um, she uh, she has a sequence where after this is not a spoiler because, as you said, with George Clooney's personality, you know what's going to happen when he meets a yeah, much, comely yeah. young glass. Uh, although in the film, Anna Kendrick does call him old, which I did like. So you know they they do. He's always looked old. I mean, like, going, going back like to this that old like. <laughs> from dust till dawn gray fox yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, or silver fox i mean looks good on him so he meets vera farmiga they they banter and uh then there's uh it's post post coital sequence of her walking out of the bathroom with his uh tie wrapped around her waist completely in the buff and i mean god bless uh ivan reitman's kid uh, jason reitman the camera just lingers <laughs> we just follow along with the buttocks and uh, but you don't see her face. What <laughs> your eyes and face would be doing if you in the room? <laughs> My head would be. You'd have to dislodge me. <laughs> from, 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 <laughs> it would look like one of these weird creatures and from dusk to dawn. <laughs> Somehow I would be the uh, the the flesh guitar stuck to her. That she's, <laughs> Is that I'm telling my wife I like her right in that moment, of course. Uh, so let's just you know cut through it all. Uh, there's not even any that's, that's banter going on. No saving. When you say I like her to <laughs> your wife, it registers a whole different set of thoughts to her <laughs> and then to me because I know you. <laughs> 
So uh, I then say, you know, being the uh, pop-up video trivia guy, I'm like, did you know, dear wife, uh, that is not her ass. That is a stunt butt. And she goes, oh, I feel so sorry for you that you know that <laughs> to, to, to ruin the fantasy. Ruin the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> that tears it. But, and uh, this is a really round, this is a walk through, uh, you know, Pervert Park here, uh, which we started with a little Woody Allen Polanski talk. You know, we're, at least we're talking about women on screen. The Hall of Fame of Perverts. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, you know, we can't do any harm and they're of age. I think Farmiga's older than me. I think she's an older lady. So shout out Grandpa. Iro, probably not older than you, but still, it's fine. Um, Sama Hayek does manage to perform this sequence where she is she is supposed to be the the shit of all these. And I guess, spoiler alert, maybe I could drop a clip here if I'm going to edit this, which I probably won't. As you said, see you in April for the January 19th anniversary <laughs> of From Dust Till Dawn. Um, she is supposed to be the ultimate seductress. Once again, spoilers vampires i don't know how much of a spoiler that is because even if you watch the trailer back in the day it it let you know this was going to turn to a vampire movie um and it works like you said there's there's nudie <coughs> wall-to-wall strippers mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be this i mean the bar is called the titty twister it's supposed to be disgusting <laughs> lowest of the low no illusions <laughs> and i guess you're supposed to surmise it's like wow uh they actually got one uh, one attractive lady that is is better than this place. Like she's supposed to be so far apart from the rest of them. Uh, and then of course she, her head turns into some sort of like lizard snake looking thing. Uh, and I was getting ready to bring that up. I yeah. was like, can you <clears throat> can you tell what they do to make her be hideous? They make her bald. Moving on. Uh, I was about to say they <laughs> they did do you the favor. They don't do anything to her. There's no body distortion with her. They didn't touch the boobs, so I was okay. <laughs> it's just the... I can deal with bald. I mean, I look at bald every day in the mirror. It I made can... me oh them sweet boobs. It made me. Wait, you're talking about Sama Hayek, right? Yeah, not mine. Not <laughs> I got a, I got a healthy A cup. <laughs> also, going to uh, when we rebrand Sober Cinema, try to get more clicks. That'll be the name of the podcast: Healthy A Cup, and we'll just have a whole new <laughs> clientele. I thought. Um, it reminded me of uh, Boogie Nights uh, when Jack Palance, great filmmaker, uh, played by Burt Reynolds, um, when, uh, you know, young Marky Mark is implored by Julianne Moore to uh, end the festivities, uh, and they don't have any of the footage of that, <laughs> of his particular pyrotechnics. And uh, I can't remember if it's Ricky Jay or who it is that's saying, like, well, I guess we go to stock footage and... <laughs> and Burt Reynolds is just like, are you insane? There's nothing that can match that. Nothing that can match his penis. <laughs> I had that thought with Sam Hayek. And I say this as someone who admittedly on this very recording did not rewatch this because I didn't know what we were going to talk about it this morning. But just going back from last summer, I'm thinking, is that the same with Sam Hayek where they're like, look, we have her, we're putting her breasts on display, covered up, but still on display. We can't really do anything to that. The most we can do is just put her head in this green, bald, reptilian, vampiric skull cap thing. But everything else has to stay the same because we can't match it. We we just can't. It's like we just can't touch those those natural creations. So just leave them as is because the audience will turn. 
just looking at what she has around her, there's nobody there that you could mistake for her. Now, if they actually did in the movie at any point when she's like dancing up on the table, if they determined that to be too <laughs> dangerous for somebody like Selma Hayek, maybe, <laughs> uh, uh, they could have fooled me though, because <clears throat> there's no mistaking her body out of anybody that's in that bar. Roger Ebert calls it a quote, skillful meat and potatoes action extravaganza with some added neat touches. Neat. I wonder what he was talking about. Neat touches. That has to be the first <laughs> half because there's nothing neat about the second half. Are you a Robert Rodriguez guy? Do you like his stuff? I remember this being the grindhouse argument back mm. when we got, uh, that movie came out because I initially liked Planet. Uh, what was the name of it? Planet I can't even remember the name of it. Planet Terror. I used I I like Planet Terror because I like you know horror movie guy. It was zombies more so, but wasn't it? I think. Yeah, it was just basically zombies yeah. and shit with what was it like Bruce Willis and a couple of people. But I have came down on the death proof side the more I've actually watched them. Uh, I I like Robert Rodriguez. I like the I like the horror movies and stuff, but. Uh, I, I wouldn't. The thing with Dust Till Dawn is like I love it. Don't get me wrong, I mm-hmm. love it, but I could see where a lot of people wouldn't because it's maybe it's part of the charm for me that they they follow no fucking rules whatsoever. If you have like some neck beard <laughs> horror enthusiast, that's not how you kill the vampires. They've, they they go back and forth between that, you know, because they uh, in one moment it'll be holy water, the next it'll be just they take them out with a shotgun blast mm-hmm. for no reason, like so. And they um, attempt. I think there's a look, the the briefest of uh, is it Clooney saying like you know I don't believe in vampires either, but here they are. So you know what do we know about them? Uh-huh. And it, yeah, yeah, it's always struck me as kind of interesting where, especially if you're doing a modern day vampire thing, uh, I, I suppose you have to acknowledge that they've been a part of pop culture at that point that all people know. Mm-hmm. Like going back to something like Fright Night. Which I love is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are sort of working off the assumption of what they've in that film, what they've learned from TV, from a program just playing old yep. horror movies. All right, now that we all agree that we're dealing with vampires, what do we know about vampires? Crosses hurt vampires. Do we have a cross in the motor home? In other words, no. Wait a second. I mean, just look around. We got crosses all over the place. All you gotta do is put two sticks together. You got a cross. Yeah, he's right. Peter Cushing does that all the time. Okay, I'll buy that. So we got crosses covered. What else? Wooden stakes in the hard been working pretty good so far. And garlic, sunlight, holy water. I'm not sure. Doesn't silver have something to do with vampires? That's werewolves. I, I know silver bullets are werewolves, but I'm sure silver has something to do with vampires. Well, does anybody have any silver? Okay, then who cares? Has anybody here read a real book about vampires, or are we just remembering what some movie said? I mean, a real book. You mean, you mean like a Time Life book? I take it the answer is no. Okay, then. What do we know about these vampires? Well, we know they got superhuman strength, but we can hurt them. Yeah. Another thing, though, if you're going to drive a chair leg through a human, you better be one strong son of a bitch. I mean, human body is one rough, tough machine. <laughs> These vamps, these vamps, they're, they're, they have soft bodies. The texture of their skin is softer. They're mushier. You can push it right through them. Conceivably, if you hit one hard enough, take their head right off. 
some like from Dust of Dawn. I, I don't know so how much silly, how much you're supposed to <laughs> to care about it. This is, I mean, I I remember the. I think one of the taglines was like, you know, vampire, no interviews or something, which is kind of dating it that like interview with the vampire was such a, a pop cultural phenomenon uh, that they would, you know, uh, poke fun at it. Like, yeah, we're cooler than that, uh, which now I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if either one of them, uh, which one is considered more um, popular in the vampire uh, cinematic lore. I don't know if From Dust to Dawn is even, even counts as that. I, I think you kind of hit on the head that it's more of just like, oh, it's one of those things Tarantino and Rodriguez did. I don't know mm. if horror people embrace this as like one of the staples of like the genre. Yeah, I, I, we've embraced it as part of our horny teenage youth. <laughs> 1996, you know, it was fertile ground for young minds playing that fucking cheech marin thing i remember i think it was you that had the uh somebody had the soundtrack mm -hmm. and that was like the first track on it, it was like horse pussy dog <laughs> <laughs> just like that was the height of comedy gratuitous uh would be the word <laughs> shame shame hiro's missing all of this talk um you couldn't handle it when he's here he gets, uh, as we said, too close to the sun when this stuff comes up. He, just, he, he wants, really is. He, mm -hmm. he, he wants he, it in earbuds. He wants to subscribe the material, but he wants to be able to, I, I guess, wince, uh, do the, uh, <laughs> what is that, that uh, poor deceased actor's name from Bad Santa that you always used to make fun of me about? Oh, uh, Bernie Mac? Is that who you Oh, him too, no, but uh, <laughs> he's in that, that sequence with the... Uh, the mall manager, uh, when Bernie Mac says something about the, oh, the, the Santa the fucking, the, <laughs> fucking him in the ass. No, God, now you're bringing up, there's so many de dead people in bad Santa now. Here's <laughs> <laughs> the topic. I can't remember who you're talking about. TV actor, Three's Company. Um, John Ritter. Oh, uh, John, Ritter. John Ritter. There you go. He has a GIF-worthy wince uh, when uh, Bernie Mac talks about Billy Bob uh, liking to fuck big women in the ass. That is Hiro every time he comes on this show. <laughs> a couple of days ago, I was in uh, Women's Big and Tall, and uh, I heard these, <clears throat> um, you know, these noises. And I heard a woman screaming, yeah, oh yeah. And I heard his voice saying, that's right. You ain't going to SHIT right for a month. Now don't don't get me wrong. I I'm was against the Clinton impeachment. What a man does with his own penis, Oval Office, women's big and tall. It's not for the American people to say. Yeah, right. But when you're dealing with children, they have a tender sensibility. And you are in a position of trust. I think perhaps someone who has screaming orgasms with large women shouldn't. Yeah. Of course, I can't fire him for that. Oh, yeah. Unfair practices. Special pleading. Bitch, bitch, bitch fucking broad. But I just, I just can't help it. There's something about the guy that makes me uneasy. Well, sure. Sound to fuck with someone in the ass. So, maybe there's something I could fire him for. Yeah, I'll get you. Do you? Do you think you could find something? Shit, yeah. Always, huh? 
you get all these comments from him about how awesome the show is, and then he gets on the show, and it's like he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't know it was like this. Jared starts talking. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't feel like I edited out most of that material. I think pretty much all that's left in. I, I was trying to see if from Dustin on you brought up a good point, and I don't know how often this will come up in our year long celebration of 1996, which I assure you, I don't think any other movie podcast is doing because I don't. I don't think 1996 is known as you know a staple of like so many classics came out uh, in that year. <laughs> <clears throat> but this one did fairly well cuz some of the stuff i feel like oh it's that's probably only in like our little circle like the, you know the dvds that we watched over and over into the ground you know rounders was never the sensation that it was <laughs> like it was with us just watching it over and over <laughs> again uh but this one you know made 60 million bucks budget of 19 so it's a you know modest hit you know after uh, marketing and all that I'm sure it did well in video did well enough to get like how many TV series like two two sequels oh yeah uh, there, there were some straight to video sequels uh, like get the uh -huh. the T one thousand dude whenever you have him uh, you know yeah, yeah. Robert Patrick or Eric Roberts those guys uh, staples of the straight to video uh, and having worked in a video store in the uh, late nineties uh, not quite old enough when this came out um, I remember those getting. <laughs> played a lot and of course being the early sort of film snob in a small town in Kentucky it was like ugh from Dustin on awesome. 2 this is yeah. in, <laughs> this has nothing to do with you know Tarantino and Rodriguez why would you even watch this and then I watch something like this and I'm like you know this was trash too <laughs> like, what was it's I, just that far off I mean, why was I judging them difference, but we have a dude that gets decapitated <laughs> And a mutant rat <laughs> births from his dead body, so it's hard to take that stand. <laughs> uh, I was surprised that, uh, that's why I like going to Eber's reviews, because he seems actually, for the most part, pretty level-headed with stuff. Like, he actually doesn't seem that judgmental about this type of trash, other than acknowledging, like, yeah... Half this movie is probably very hateable, uh, you know, but I'm I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to decide for you which half is yours and which half is, is necessarily, you know, the good half. Um, you know, it's just, uh, as he said, meat and potatoes type you know, thing. There are a few things in this movie that are really excellent, and one of them is the pre-title sequence involving a Texas Ranger played by Michael Parks. His dialogue is so well written, so well acted, and so funny that as he describes his backwater community, we can almost picture it. In fact, I almost wanted the movie to be about... Mm -hmm what he was talking about. Me too. And there are other moments like that in the movie. Tarantino can write dialogue. And Rodriguez can make films that move fast and take no hostages. The last half hour is essentially one long violent fight scene punctuated by dialogue, and the special effects are well done. From Dust Till Dawn delivers and it entertains, so I'm giving it thumbs up, but I know these guys have better pictures than this one in them. And I'm giving it thumbs down, and I saw a picture, essentially the same picture as two different films, and I like the first one better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To take these interesting characters, mm -hmm. the brothers, uh, the ranger, mm -hmm. and he's the most interesting, and then Keitel, who I couldn't even spot in the beginning under his make. I mean, I thought he was sensational. Mm -hmm. To take all these people and then to run them through a vampire trash picture, and it really, Roger, there's nothing really original there. No, I didn't say not, there was. I know, no. not at all. No, all and the it, 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 originality it takes place before they get to the bar. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just so, I'm sitting there and saying, all right, I'm invested, the I, I'm laughing at some of this stuff, as violent as it is, and it is hyper-violent. 
Uh, I just felt that, you know, they, they didn't try in the second half of the picture, and it really is yeah, half, was a, not just a half an hour. I'm giving it, it thumbs down. It, uh, it was a basic structural error. Absolutely. I'm giving it a marginal thumbs up because I think it does deliver, as I said, but you're right. They had a good picture going, and they lost it. Really lost uh, I think it's a perfect January movie where you just throw out kind of <laughs> genre trash and see what sticks. Um, I have always had an issue... And now we'll get back to the stuff that we like to talk about. The ego, the uh, testicular fortitude for Tarantino to cast himself as George Clooney's brother. <laughs> blood brother, right? Not a adopted. <laughs> they are blood brothers. Actual brother, yeah. <laughs> Actual brother. Could not look more um, <clears throat> dissimilar if you tried. Well... Uh, if you threw race in there, then maybe you... <laughs> Even that, I think I would accept more. I would accept if they were two completely different races, then I would. Because it would at least explain, like, well, okay, maybe they have you know, different parents, but it's like, you have to... <laughs> like there's, uh, a real, there's a real suspension of belief. <laughs> more so for them to be brothers than there's actual fucking vampires in the movie. <laughs> like, I, I remember... I, I think it was The Lost World, the first Jurassic Park sequel, where Jeff Goldblum yeah. has a black daughter... And they don't explain it. And then, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe her, her mom's black. She's adopted. Who cares? It's a dinosaur movie. And I actually appreciated this. It's just like, that's just, just the daughter. They go with it. You just believe it. Not Whatever. This case, and though. it's also not, <laughs> it's not the point of the movie. I don't need to get into like the personal life of, uh, you know, Dr. Malcolm or whatever. <clears throat> just have him run from dinosaurs and then bitch about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I needed her to, uh, <laughs> uh, Use her gymnastics to assault a Velociraptor. Um, I, I think uh, nice callback whenever she's <laughs> flipping through the air and destroys a fucking Velociraptor. You know, if we keep up yeah. this bit of laziness, where we're like, you know what? Every week is a twenty-five year anniversary. That means next year, if we're still doing this, uh, we'll get into the weeds on picking on poor Jeff Goldblum's black daughter. As you know, I guess you know, talk about Hyrule being uncomfortable. Then it's like, you know what? I hated. <laughs> I did this black girl in here. Now hold on, hold on, just for the gymnastics. That's <laughs> don't cut me at the wrong moment. But film Twitter, mm -hmm. what I can hate is this fucking white guy thinking that uh, all white men just look the same. I guess apparently Tarantino, Clooney, same difference. Here's our realm. Now we get to crack our fingers yeah. and really be mean about somebody because these are white guys and we're. Feel like I pop my collar up, get ready to hate on some <laughs> white people. I mean, I like that Tarantino's the me. the rapist creep, I guess. Um, and that's more appropriate that he gets the yeah. rapist storyline. <laughs> and Clooney is, you know, the the cool guy, the the criminal you want to be. He's yeah. got the neck tattoo, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't have to assault anyone because he's he's George Clooney. Um, I I don't think, you know, this is, Hyro is not a fan uh, in our Lost recording, and not Sky, because we also talked about The Peacemaker, which, you know, we just need to save that for next year, 1997. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Um, especially his early performances, Hyro hates the head nods, hates the ER head nods, and I think another one is that Clooney often is not looking someone in the eye. He's usually sort of like, kind of just looking just past them uh, whenever he has these badass moments don't know if it ages well i actually don't know even 1996 if i fully accepted 
the good doctor from ER as this tattooed, uh, you know, wild bank robber. Uh, I, I think I just like Clooney. But if you're asking me <laughs> to get invested in the reality of the world, it's like, well, well, no. <laughs> but, you know, he's cool enough. He's good looking. And let's just get to the let's get across the border and get to the vampires. And then mm-hmm. then no one can have complaints if this is realistic anymore because it's not. If it had been just the first half of the movie and they extrapolated that to being a whole movie, then, yeah, this would be a much bigger problem. But because you get to such nonsense and (laughs) off-the-wall craziness in the second half, you're just like, whatever, there's ER, he's a fucking badass, he's got tribal tattoos, he's, you know, cussing at people and shit, you know, whatever. But if you really want to have that first half of the movie, uh, it could be very... (laughs) You could do a much better job than George Clooney. That was probably my only criticism of the first half of the movie. Is like this isn't believable whatsoever. <laughs> I don't believe that George Clooney is this bank robbing badass. I'm just now seeing that uh, <clears throat> on May first, nineteen ninety six, the film was banned in Ireland. What? Irish Film Censor Board had Seamus Smith. Seamus. Oh, that's good. Uh, I couldn't come up with a better (laughs) Irish slur of a name. (laughs) Seamus said that it was, quote, irresponsible and totally gratuitous violence. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true, Seamus. That's what we signed up for. Uh, Apparently there was a couple of uh, massacres, um, which, you know, I don't know if I really want to get into that over in Ireland at the time, but you know, some like natural born killers, uh, where it's, you know, about, uh, two lovers going on a killing spree across the country. I, I don't know. Does it, does a vampire That's movie really it, seems really silly. Like I know you got problems in Ireland in that time period with, uh, I know this is showing my ignorance. I don't know a whole lot about the IRA. <laughs> about shit, they were but... bombing something over there. Yeah, something that, was I, mean, happening. I remember there was a drink named after something. We were doing <laughs> Uh, but for like, if you really think this movie is going to incite violence from people, I don't know, like <laughs> you're being a little bit too safe. Like I, I can understand <laughs> cleansing violent, you know, gangster type movies from, you know, people's, uh, um, decision-making or whatever, but uh, vampires, like, I don't know. Got some research material for us, but they'll have to wait a year to get our correction so any Irish listeners we we have, which I'm sure we don't, um, <laughs> The Devil's Own, 1997 movie with Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford. Brad Pitt plays a member of the Provisional Irish Republican Army <clears throat> who comes to the United States in order to obtain anti-aircraft missiles to be used to shoot down British helicopters in <laughs> Nor- Northern Ireland. <laughs> the plan is complicated by an Irish-American policeman played by Ford, whom the IRA member has come to regard as family. So coming, uh, let's see, uh, March 26th episode of Sober Cinema next year. <laughs> really getting ahead of it. Like, I, I see these lists you sent me. I was like, man, he's done a lot of work. But now we're getting into fucking 1997. Well, that's the thing. Um, I feel like I've handed over my fate to decisions uh-huh. that were made before our time, Jared. So just whatever was made. Take it out of your hands. <laughs> 25 years ago, I was like, all right, what's the movie of the week? Well, it looks really, like... Really, you're just tired of podcasting to the point where it's like, mm. pick a year, goddammit! <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do the whole year! Spin the wheel! <laughs> it's, it's nice, Jared. It's, you know, you can turn the brain I have off. I choice taken from me! <laughs> 
The fates have willed it to be 1996. <laughs> One other hobby, which, you know, a man says that he really enjoys movies. I, I love watching movies. Oh. I, I guess there is, it's like Hyrule coming on Sober Cinema. There is that thing where it's like, I love it. And then I get too close to it. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Just <laughs> I don't make this shit. You just tell me. You tell me what I'm watching. And, you know. There's some pleasure in that. The I will now transition away from From Dust to Dawn <laughs> and explain that even with this foolproof plan, as you said, of the, the gods of cinema from 1996, they tell us what came out that week. <laughs> so From Dust to Dawn uh, was uh, taken over at the box office in the second week. So it, it opened well, um, did $10 million. Highest grossing film that week, which I don't think there was another wide release. I don't know. I'd have to go to our our giant board, which tells us, uh, which is just <laughs> a website that said, here's everything that came out in 1996. Uh, but in its second week, second week, it was beaten by Mr. Holland's Opus. Not doing that. I don't know if that was technically a... <laughs> I think it was a 1995 joint. That, was, that seems right, Jared. Like an Oscar Beatty type thing. Uh, you know, just... <clears throat> Whatever. We're not doing it. As you see how the decisions are made here. <clears throat> the other film that beat it was Bed of Roses, which is what I thought we were going to talk about today. And Jared said, hey, hey. didn't watch that. <laughs> Got stuck in Sama Hayek's heaving bosom. Understandable. It was really just a, uh, a desire, if you will, to revisit. Uh, even I'm going to say Selma Hayek's youth, but she's still a fucking fox now. Like, it's still... I mean, Clooney I mean, pretty she's... much looked the same. Mm-hmm. Like, Clooney can grow the <clears throat> the beard in our lost episode, and I'm sure Selma Hayek can... Uh, she was in a movie I liked. I don't think Hyro did. A couple of... A few years ago now at this point, where she played a... Uh, like a maid to like a rich, like liberal mm-hmm. or conservative family. I can't remember. Um, she was really good in it. The movie was not that great. And I think they tried to... You know, make her more like Schlub. a real person. Yeah. Doesn't really work. Can't do Not it. Gonna work. Can't. Can't do it. <laughs> See normal people on a daily basis. They don't look like that. <clears throat> but Bed of Roses is what will be coming next week. I do think we had a choice in that one, and I think I chose for us. Um, and you know what? I will. I will leave that for next week, uh, so that if Grandpa Hiro joins us, I did send him a uh, fell off a truck. Um, <laughs> copy this because it is not unfortunately for our super fan listeners if we have any that uh, don't appear on the show um, four of you yeah it, uh, it it's not even available for rent uh, digitally when you take the uh, when you take the option out of uh, our hands you have to find a copy that fell off a truck I really I don't it can't take that much space on a server somewhere for just throw up every fucking movie like I, I see uh, how much these mo- movies uh, take up on, on a hard disk. I know. <laughs> I will defend my decision too. Everything else that came out that week appeared to be so, like this. This grossed um, more than uh, just about everything else combined that came out that week. <laughs> so well. this this is pretty much the only wide release. It's got Christian Slater, and curiously, I think that we're going to. You know, I hope we do have Hyro on that episode because. Um, I think he has a thing for that, like short haired nineties female haircut. Cause he really was trying to push single white female on this. No. And I felt like he was mentioning Bridget Fonda's hair, which is not, <laughs> not the selling point for me, not for me. I, but I, I was, well, I say this, 
kind of like he is on coming on the show. I'm kind of interested in his take probably for about 30 mm. seconds before I'm just disgusted with it. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> sell it for me. But uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, not Bridget Fonda, pretty much has the single white female haircut here. Like, what do they call it? Bob cut or something? It's like right around the ears. If that's what Hyrule wants. As someone who actually watched the movie, Jared, I will say <laughs> that I was much more fascinated by Christian Slater's hair. This one. Better hair. The dude is, I mean, that's pretty much on brand for us, right? Like the mm. dude's hair is what we're mm. always, I mean, even this especially. episode, we complained about Sama Hayek. We're like, yeah, nice tits, but you're bald now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, that's the one point I was hoping Hyrule was here for, because I feel like I can get the house down on that one with, uh, representing the bald, ugly creatures of the world. <laughs> I never, you know, but you know, he, he can come defend himself. Well, this will be continued next week when we talk about Mary Stuart Masterson's hair and, uh, bed of roses, which, uh, Roger Ebert opening line, Jared bed of roses tells a sappy story about two sad sacks who get more or less what they deserve. Each other. <laughs> Damn, Roger. Roger. (laughs) What did they do? He must have had a bad experience. Look, Roger loved fucking big breasts. I know this about the man. Uh, I think he's on record. He's fucking calling (laughs) from dust till dawn meat and potatoes. We know what he means. (laughs) We get to bed of roses and fucking scissor hands come out. Jesus. All right. Next week. Enough chest meat. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Cue the music. Nice quick 40. Adventure films that not in the future, but in the past. It's been in the past, all right. That moment in movie history between the introduction of horseback riding and the obsolescence of the brass brassiere, known as sword and sorcery. Our first movie is named Red Sonia, and this one gets the prize, gets some very tough competition as the single silliest sword and sorcery movie since The Black Shield of Fowler. This one is so inept, there are times when it's actually fun, especially when the actors struggle through dialogue that sounds like they've already read the Mad Magazine parody of this film. The movie stars Bridget Nelson as Red Sonia, a woman warrior who embarks on a crusade to avenge the terrible deeds done to her by an evil queen. And in this scene, Arnold Schwarzenegger turns up to demonstrate that she'll never walk alone.